everybody. How's it going? Welcome to, to the Technology Leadership Series podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jordan Tenenbaum. I'm the social media manager of Soligo. We are joined by Martin Zeruto, the CEO of Sellers Universe, as well as Mark Simon, who's Soligo's VP of Strategy. Very happy and lucky to have you guys here. Um, Mark, if you don't mind doing a quick introduction and then we can get into it. You bet. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, yeah, um, from from an intro standpoint, I've been uh, I've been working in the digital transformation space for uh, a long time, probably close to uh, to you know, well, close to twenty years. It, it's get it's getting up to be, which which makes me feel old just uh, mentioning that. Um, but I've been with Soligo for the the last uh, four years. Um, as VP of strategy, um, I work with uh, really our whole um, set of customers and helping them um, in, a, in a variety of ways um, with their automation journey. I, but prior to, to Soligo, my background includes being uh, a, 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 on the founding team and CTO of an e-commerce company, as well as leading a uh, digital um, transformation and ERP implementation um, professional services practice for about 10 years. Um, and that's where I got exposure to Soligo um, and really, you know, focused a lot on cloud-based technologies and kind of lead led me to uh, joining the Soligo team. Well, awesome. We're lucky to have you, Mark. And now for the, uh, the guest of honor, Martin, um, you are the CEO of Sellers Universe, as we said. Um, you mind giving us just a little bit about your background, a little bit about your story, and sure. uh, maybe how you made it to Sellers Universe and what you guys got going on now, and we'll uh, go from there. Yeah, Jordan, again, thank you so much for having me on the show, and, and Mark, always a pleasure to see you. Every time I see any kind of outdoor winter sports, you're the first person that comes to mind, because <laughs> I know you're an expert. Probably do like a, a biathlon after this, but well, aren't aren't you up in the frozen frozen north in, uh, in yeah. Ontario somewhere? So you must see that that must happen <laughs> constantly all winter long. Oh yeah, I see slopes outside my door. Do I know how to ski them? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> that's maybe that's for another show. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on. My name is Martin Zuder, the CEO of Cell Universe. Um, at Cell Universe, we do two things. Well, I guess three. Uh, we provide NetSuite solutions, license implementation, and post-go live support within the e-commerce realm. So those brands who are on marketplaces like Amazon and, and Shopify uh, will have a great relationship with Soligo. Uh, in terms of the implementations that we provide and the support, uh, probably say nine out of 10 of the brands that we provide services to that are aggregators uh, are using Soligo. And so it's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, personally, probably about five to 10 years of experience in marketing and communications. And these last three years, uh, the journey at Cell Universe has really um, been uh, pretty crazy. You know, it, it started off as a really big umbrella of a lot of different e-commerce services. And we really decided in the last two years to focus primarily on NetSuite solutions. So super happy to be on the show. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, Mark, I know we had spoken a little bit earlier. You had uh, some specific questions you wanted to bring up to Martin or just some specific topics. So I was hoping maybe you could uh, lead into those. Yeah, you bet, Jordan. Um, so so Martin, with when you're working with, with your clients, are, are you typically coming in and working on their their they're essentially a new build, like new implementation for, say, their ERP or some of their other, you know, other software implementations. Are you coming in after they already have something in place and helping them optimize? You know, wh where do you come in in that journey? Great question. Um, you know, Mark, ideally, we'd like to be end to end. So right at the very beginning where they're kind of considering switching to an ERP, you know, graduating from a QuickBooks and some a couple of tech stacks that aren't really communicating with each other or able to scale in the direction that the company is headed. We'd love to be at that 
uh, you know, part of the conversation where they're considering getting a NetSuite license because we can provide the license to them. But I want to say a bulk of our customers are probably in the, the second two or the, the second and the third step, which is having their NetSuite implemented or it's already implemented and they need some post go live support. Um, and the conversation of us providing support in conjunction with Soligo usually happens in the second or third stage, which is they're implementing. They want to know what are the best integrations out there, they're connecting to all the different marketplaces, or they're already connected uh, using Soligo. They have already implemented. They need a little bit of uh, bandwidth and some some expertise in, in the particular space. And so we come in and provide that as well. Fantastic. That's great. When, when you're talking to customers, in that in that journey especially initially when they're first you know i often think of like a, a digital transformation journey for a mid-market company it, it often right. centers around erp that's kind of like the big often a big trigger point right they're 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 at a phase in growth where they need need something different but um are they you know are they generally thinking about automating and integrating is it central to what they're doing or is it coming later on? It's kind of an afterthought for them. What, what do you see mostly? Um, I think thankfully when we have conversations with brands, we're considering um, shifting to NetSuite or on NetSuite, they're trying to find the most bang for buck. How do I optimize this workflow? How do I optimize this infrastructure that we've invested a lot of time and money in? Uh, thankfully the, the conversation is at a level where they're aware that automation is needed to scale, right? When they're thinking about if, if we're having discovery calls and they're, they're not sure about uh, using a, a NetSuite ERP, then that's usually where a little bit of education comes in. Hey, you can actually automate this. You can automate that. You can be less people dependent. You can free up the time for your directors or your VPs or your C-suite level talent to start actually growing the business instead mm -hmm. of, you know, shifting through thousands of Google Docs and Google Sheets and Excel spreadsheets. And it's funny, we talk to multi-million dollar brands every day and some of them are inundated with like 12 instances of zero or they're inundated with hundreds of, of, of spreadsheets and they're like, yes, we would love automation, but they don't know where to start. They don't know, you know, this mythological space of AI learned automated everything where it's just a click of a button, I can go to Bali and run my whole company. It's possible. But, you know, where do they start? And usually it's starting off with understanding the power of NetSuite and the power of the integrations like Soligo that can facilitate that automation and that scale. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. I mean, something that that we've seen and, and we work with everything from companies in the Fortune 500 all the way through a, a ton of mid market down to 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 small startups. And, and one thing is consistently that we see over and over again that they they buy these applications and they could be big foundational uh, applications it might be a SaaS app it might be a, an hris system it might be a new data warehouse whatever it may be and they make that investment they get it implemented and, and we just see time and time again that they don't quite feel like they get the value from it correct that it solves some of the problems but it's really interesting. See that a lot where it's like, oh, hey, you know, it's like, yeah, it's working sort of kind of, yeah, not didn't quite get there uh, all the way. And, it, and there's often often a really one important missing piece from that, which is which is the automation com component. How is it how is it plugging into all the other systems? Have they exactly. really automated and created created one system? Yeah, an example sometimes I use is like you can take a really great car, like say a car from maybe like 20, 30 years ago, super great engine, great parts, runs really, really fast. You compare it to some of the cars today where they have onboard chips, where all the parts, both analog and, and, and digital are talking to each other that really provides the driver with a lot of tools to maximize that car. 
at the end of the day, you still need a driver who's driving your NetSuite implementation, who's driving your your NetSuite. You know, it's not just going to, hey, I'm going to pay for NetSuite and it's going to run my business. It's not how it works. But it'll be that onboard chip that connects all of the things you've invested it into to give you as the driver of your business the tools that you need to really accelerate the growth of your of your company. Unfortunately, self-driving is not yet, not really yet viable. <laughs> they released it, and then like five days later, they're like, forget it. We're just going to let you know. drive your cars again. Well, I have a quick question for actually both of you. Uh, as someone who's not as extremely technical, do you think a lot of people come in to uh, like a, an automation mindset or learn about automation within a business, and they think about it too narrowly, as in data from X to Y, and, and that's it? Or do you think people come into it where they think I want X to Y and A to B and C to D and this to that and all can like so overly connected. Like you said, you could go to Bali and run your business. Um, where do you see most kind of adopters on the um, on which side of the spectrum or do most of them kind of fall in the middle? Well, I'll, I'll take a crack at that, Jordan. I, that's something that I know, you know, from what I see and what we see as an organization, most companies are coming in there and it's, automation integration is reactionary to them. They're responding to an acute problem that they have. And, and sometimes they've, they've had that acute problem before and they know, okay, I know that I have to get my, my I don't wanna move my sales orders from my e-commerce site. Uh, and, and especially when they have multiple ones, they're like, I know I don't wanna do this manually and bring it into my order management system or my, my ERP. And but they're they're re responding to that either because that pain that they have right now or pain that they've ha had in the past. And they're not stepping back and looking at this and saying, hey, what's what's the roadmap? What can I automate? Like, what should should we automate? And, and one of the things that we often talk about um, and try to get uh, companies look like and this is really from seeing leaders uh, that have used automation as competitive advantage as they shift to something. Uh, we call it automation first mindset. And they start with, okay, something comes up and it's a new process, a new system. They're like, how can we automate it? And they just start there. And they may not get to it right away, but they're always thinking. And that's that's one thing that I've seen that really, um, that's a big differentiator from the ones that just automate and they get some things done versus the ones that really change their businesses and transform them through automation. Uh, no, totally agree. If I may add just a little bit, we were talking to an aggregator last week and, you know, just outright is, is investing in an ERP the, the, the most cost-effective solution into scaling? Not necessarily. You know, is utilizing best-in-class integrations like Celigo the most cheapest option out there? Not necessarily. But if you look at cost in terms of the value of automation, sometimes it's difficult for them to see, oh my gosh, I'm paying all this. Like, can I just get some app? Literally was talking to somebody last week. Can I just get some quick app that's like 20 bucks a month to, to automate it? Like the, not all automations are made equal and not all automations, you know, provide that scalability. It may answer one or two pain points, but this, what we're talking about here is long-term growth, long-term projections in terms of where your company can go and having automations there kind of reduces uh, any kind of human error reliance on particular people that may or may not be there three, four, five years down the road. And so for me, uh, uh, from the agency perspective, it's kind of showing them the value that, yes, there may be an up, upfront financial cost to automating your system. But if if you don't do that in the next three to five years, then you're not looking at the same trajectory, regardless of who are the same people running the company or not. 
that makes sense. It seems yeah. like uh, people need to address the cause rather than the symptoms. If, if I can use a mediocre metaphor, but thank you. Appreciate that, y'all. Uh, can I just add one more thing? Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead, Martin. So for me, I have like 10 years of copywriting experience in content, you know, writing scripts, creating content, going on podcasts. And when ChatGPT came out and opened to everybody to access, if you want to see the power of automation, it would take me maybe two, three hours to write you know, a blog or an article. You just type in a couple of prompts and automation and AI learning will generate that content for you. Now, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean in the example of NetSuite and having Sligo that there's no errors to manage or there's no you know, work to be done to try to keep upkeep the automations. But it does all that heavy lifting for you. I can write an even better piece of content utilizing, uh, utilizing AI and automation. And that last 10% is me editing, fine-tuning, making sure that it makes sense, make sure it sounds like a human being. It's the exact same thing when you're talking about Soligo and, and an ERP like NetSuite. It's just doing that 90% for you, but don't disregard that that 10% is still on you to make sure that it's running in the direction that the automation is working the way that you intend it to. And I think that's the true magic is when you see that 90 plus 10, then you're getting that 100% value from your, your investment. Especially with something like a ERP or you know a financial program where it's like you can't you have to cross your T's and dot your I's. There's no can't can't fall short. But sorry, yeah, go ahead, it's Mark. not a it's not a shortcut. Automation isn't a shortcut. Right? <laughs> it's just making things easier. <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't eliminate the work, but it creates a different it, it creates uh, it elim eliminates the the menial work and it it, it still creates it creates opportunity for for higher value work in the organization. Uh, but the, the comment I wanted to make on, on, on what you were talking about there, Martin, um, before was just you, what you're describing around getting asked for, oh, is there an app for that? That's kind of like what we hear when someone's looking for or has adopted a point-to-point some of these point-to-point -point integration solutions are kind of like these little black boxes and they solve little problems pretty well. And if you're, if your requirements line up with those, you might be lucky, especially when, when a company is pretty small, doesn't have a lot of revenue, um, some, uh, you know, simple processes, they plug that in, it works for a while, but it's not a, it's not a platform. It's not a, it's not a tool. It doesn't, it can't respond to a changing business. As soon as your business changes, you're like, oh, I can't use this anymore. I need something else. And then you get, you end up, doing any number of things or just putting up with something that doesn't work right for a long time. Agreed. It's like from one Band-Aid solution to the next. And hey, some people like being scrappy that way. Some people like to kind of be on the cutting edge of new applications and say, hey, look, this is doing what I need to do at half the cost. And then six months later, uh, the app integrations no longer work. It's no longer supported. The person who was running it is no longer there. Then what are you going to do? Like you said, Mark, you go back to the beginning and try and find another Band-Aid solution. You know. And that's never fun with APIs because those can be uh, very, very, very tricky to manage, especially when you have 10, 15, 20 of them trying to work and talk together all at once. So no, that's, that's a really good point. Appreciate that for both y'all. Uh, Martin, you you mentioned something about a, a band-aid. It kind of reminds me of like the 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 feeling of pain. I know you mentioned, you know, your preference for doing new, um, you know, new implementations. And I think that's, you know, having been a, uh, in the consulting business, sort of always the pref preference to have as much green field as possible. But Definitely. I, I know, you, you know, you're still doing some of that work where you're coming in, and you're responding to that pain where a customer says, Hey, I have this pain. I have this and it's not working. How much do you see of that where customers are, you know, they might've had an automation solution and what they went live and it worked for them at one point, but then it, 
over time, it doesn't work that well for them anymore. And, they, and they're like, oh, it's broken or it's I'm buried under these errors or something like that. How often do you see that? Uh, quite often, actually, you know, in the context of us providing NetSuite solutions, um, when we come come in for like what we call project recovery, hey, our implementation has gone haywire or we tried doing it this way. It didn't work out. Up, I'll tell you guys the stat. 50 percent, according to Oracle NetSuite, 50% of ERP uh, implementations fail because they start off with the wrong partner. Now, I'm not on the show saying, hey, our team knows all kinds of NetSuite. We'll do nonprofit, we'll do medical, we'll do industrial, everything. That's not what we are. It literally says in the poster behind me, e-commerce, because we specialize in wholesale, retail, manufacturing, that whole space, you know, specifically also with aggregators. So when we get brought in to, to implement implementation recovery, it's because they work with a partner who didn't have expertise in that area. And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, we can set up your Soligo for you. And then they get in contact with Mark's team. They start working. And the next thing you know, when they hand it off to, to them to make sure that the tiles are set up properly, that they're checking any kind of error management, they have no idea what they're doing. They're not even Soligo certified. Like that's crazy, you know, and and unfortunately that's that's my ocean, whether it's blue or red. We're competing with people who say that they can do everything, that they know everything. One one thing that I say in all of our pitch meetings, like, see this guy right here, super important guy, Mark Simon. I have his phone number. I text him way too often. He doesn't always reply, but that's okay. And I said, that's what we do for you as your partner. You know, we have a relationship with him and with Saligo that if we're coming in here saying we're experts and we're able to kind of quarterback the conversation, then it's not only saving you time, it's saving you the headache of having to talk to ACS, talk to Mark and his team, talk to this other person, talk to this guy who did scripting for me for five, you know, $5 on Fiverr and now it's not working. Like you don't have to go through all of that pain and the automation aspect of it really removes a lot of it and being able to work with people who have the expertise in the space removes a lot of that pain as well. Yeah, I think you hit on something really, really key there. A lot, of, a lot of key points there. But one of the things that really stands out for me is working with someone that knows your business, that that as much as possible knows the the, the understands the type of company you are, and even where there's a sub vertical. You've brought up several times, um, you know, Amazon aggregators, Amazon a aggregators, brand aggregators, kind of different terms for them. But that's an example of something. Um, when you talk about implementations failing, I was, I was just, uh, you know, on, on the phone last week with, with one whose ERP implementation failed and they were starting all over from, from scratch. And it was because they didn't work with someone that actually knew the needs of a brand aggregator. And it's it sometimes it's like, oh, well, it's good. And, oh, someone's implemented or integrated to an e-commerce uh, site that maybe they've integrated to Shopify, they've integrated to Amazon before. They know a little bit of NetSuite. That's good enough. They know, they've done some ecom, but but uh, implementing doing the ERP implementation for uh, a one or two channel e-commerce company is vastly different than than doing the same thing, doing this implementation for a uh, a, a fifty brand or hundred brand. Uh, a brand aggregator and when each of those brands might have in turn five ten uh sales channels for each of them it's a the needs are completely different from a from just the erp side let alone when you get into trying to automate it integrate it make sure you've got the right tools and this is this is one of the, and that's just a you know example of something that that we both uh have, have worked with in the past and are familiar with but i see that i've seen that repeated uh, you know very often where um you know the results are always better when from an from implementation standpoint if you work with someone that knows really either they take the time to learn your business one or they come in and they already know the space and then they add in that time to learn your business 
Exactly. You know, when we had our conversations, I think late last year, I said, Mark, you know, the writing is on the wall. We're talking to 80, 90% of our, our, our clients in this space that Soligo is non-negotiable. They're all in on Soligo's automation, but they need support from translating all of that automation onto their ERP. And then when they go to NetSuite, they may not have that expertise in terms of translating it back to Soligo. And so for us, we went all in. If we're going to own this this niche or vertical in the you know ERP space in the NetSuite space, then we're going to go all in with the main, with the key players. That means working with Soligo, working with the Anvils, with the Fleebers, with the Tapaltis, so on and so forth, because they're going to come to us, if not us providing them that proactive guidance, like, hey, you guys should probably use Soligo. You know, there are a couple ones out there, but they're best in class for a reason. They may not be the cheapest, but they're definitely the easiest to work with. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the conversations that we have. <laughs> Yeah, for us, for us at Saligo, it's so important uh, having good partners that that not just know the technical side, but the 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 nuts and bolts of software, whether it's Saligo or Netsuite or both, but that understand the business process behind it. That can that can go a level deeper because it's it's so often we we hear something or someone I, you know I, they'll, they'll say hey. Uh, I've had this integration for a while. I have this automation in place and now it's not working and it's broken. And um, you go in and you look at it and you start peeling back the layers and in, in what you do this a few times and you realize, well, that integration, that automation, that's sitting on top of two really fundamental things. Uh, business process, good business process design, and then endpoint implementation. So if your if your ERP isn't implemented to your business process, or you didn't adopt the right business process as a company, right? That's always that's a that's a whole. You could do a whole podcast on on that. Those that's not your fault though. That's not on you, Mark. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. That's 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 on somebody else on the on the. And I, I'm out of that business now, so ha happy to be. But uh, that's like so much goes into that. And what the interesting thing is, like, uh, an integration ends up being your your early warning system for your business, um, because you implement it. And if you implement it and you get it running, you've you've implemented, you've automated for a set of use cases. And now, if something changes in the business, it doesn't match those use cases. And it shows up as an error, and now you have to take action. And uh, that's that's really key. You have to get ideally, you have to get to the bottom of that and figure out. And what it is, an error is actually a failure in change management that it's Absolutely. it showed up in your uh, yeah, it showed up in your integration first. But it's a it's a process change or it's a data change or it's an endpoint change um, with one of those other systems. And it's it's great to have that in place because now something's telling you where it is. But you've got you've got to have somebody to you know often work with, to you know, as, especially as smaller companies to guide you uh, and give you the right guidance to uh, you know, figure out what to do if you don't have the skills in-house. Martin, do you find that a lot of people use um, Sligo or maybe similar tools as like an error management solution? Or is that something that you encourage? Because Mark, from the way that you put it, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense. You have everything all connected at once, shows you exactly where an error might be. So I'm curious, like how, how Martin or Mark, how we both uh, would pass that information along that a tool so, like IPaaS is error management. Sure, sure. So, you know, for those who are listening, like Soligo as an IPaaS can do more than just the niche in which Seller Universe operates, right? We're talking strictly, you know, what are we connecting here? Amazon, Shopify, Walmart, all these other marketplaces. You know, so our expertise is navigating, first of all, creating 
that the, the tile and the mapping and the workflow so that all that information is coming in correctly. And if there's any kind of errors that we troubleshoot that or being brought into an implementation that has Saligo in there and it wasn't mapped out correctly. And they usually they, unfortunately they blame Mark and his team like, oh, Saligo said it was gonna work and now it's not working. <laughs> we go in there, we take a look and it's like, well, it's cause you didn't set it up properly. Well, who set it up? Oh, this guy who used to work for us. Okay, well, we've identified two or three issues here that had nothing to do with Saligo. It also has nothing to do with NetSuite. It really was a person who kind of set up the automation who may not have had, like to Mark's point earlier, the expertise in, in creating it. And then now you don't have any talents to navigate that. So error management happens. There is no such thing as a foolproof automation where you're never going to get any kind of errors or you don't have to double check the, the data integrity. Like it happens. But if you have a team in place, whether it's a partner like us or an internal team that can navigate it, then, you know, it's just part of the job. But you're not looking at 100,000 errors. You're looking at maybe 10 or five. It just really all depends on who got there at the beginning to make it or map it out correctly. Awesome. And, and I think that's the key thing, Martin, you've got to stay on top. One of the key things you got to stay on top of it. You got to stay on top of it when it's five or 20 or 50 or hundred errors and it's manageable. And if you have, if you have 500 or thousand and, and, you know, we have some features, you know, our error management 2.0 and we leverage some AI to help make that management a lot easier, but it still doesn't remove the need to get to the bottom of them and head them off and get to the root cause. And like, oh, it, there was a change up here. Uh, somebody, somebody created a new business, uh, you know, a new process or they created, you know, on their own without synchronizing across the organization. And now, and now you've got a problem. That's not going to work. Exactly. Oh, interesting. That's a that's a very good way to put it in perspective, especially for someone like me who's, you know, not not on the technical side of things. So hopefully, listeners out there, hopefully that kind of gave you some good insight. Um, I'm going to just change the direction slightly. We can always come back to uh, some technical things, but Martin, I wanted to give you a little bit of opportunity to shine here. Um, don't worry, you're already shining, but shine brighter, I guess. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you, you've built Sellers Universe uh, quite a bit over the last five, 10 years, as you said, um, you know, really grown the business. Um, let's kind of do a bird's eye perspective, maybe five to 10 years from now. Uh, what are you looking to accomplish? What are your goals for Sellers Universe and maybe, you know, working with Sligo as well, but mostly just Sellers Universe and what you look to accomplish? Oh, thank you so much, Jordan. And I want everybody to know that like what we've accomplished up until this point is not the work of just one person. Not that that's what you were you know um, in, um inferring but you know it, it takes a village right and you know when we were at uh s3 and then the week after that we were at uh sweet world last year um and thank you for hosting that party mark it was pretty awesome um we realized like man amazon account management is such a red ocean like it's super duper cutthroat mm -hmm. we were doing fine you know we brought in a lot of business last year it's just you know, there's this movie, I forget what it's called, but the, the line was, is the juice worth the squeeze? And we were just squeezing a lot and getting some of that vitamin C in our eyes and it was super painful on the Amazon side. But then we were like, you know, on the NetSuite side, we're talking to customers who have the funds to invest in an ERP. They have the funds to, you know, to utilize the full breadth of Soligo's automation services. We should probably be talking to these kind of clients because we're talking from a level of congruency, not only just in revenue, but in, in vision. Where do you want to go in the next couple of years and not, hey, what's your uh, listing optimization look like and how much are you able to pay for us to fix it? Nothing wrong with that 
business model. And obviously that's a big proponent in increasing your sales on one marketplace. But NetSuite really is more of an all-encompassing approach in terms of the services that we want to provide. So in the next three to five years for Cell Universe, my hope is that we continue in this trajectory. My hope is that, you know, despite it being um, competitive, there's a lot of, you know, alliance partners, solution providers, and then you also have NetSuite Direct that can sometimes be uh, uh, competitive in terms of the brands that you're trying to close. But at the end of the day, we're going to focus on our lane. We'll put our head down and put in the work and do shows like this and really build that brand equity and authenticity that if I say, or if somebody on our team says, hey, we have a great relationship with Saligo, they can point to this episode and say, yeah, you know what? They do have a great relationship with Saligo. When we say, hey, we recommend Saligo not because we're getting an incentive or not saying because we're best friends with Mark, but because we think it's the best solution. They can go to episodes like this and hear Mark talk about why it's the best solution. So for me, going down that path of focusing on NetSuite, focusing on e-commerce, wholesale, retail, manufacturing, and focusing on partnerships, authentic partnerships with people like Mark and you, Jordan, who I recently met, I think is is where we want to go. If I may just say a quick like quote, uh, JP, the CTO of Boosted, we had him on our podcast, and when they were vetting solution providers and alliance partners and anybody who was saying that they could do the implementation, he talked to 10 or 15 different um, um, uh, agencies or, or entities that said that they could do it for them. And I said, well, why did you pick us? He goes, cost, expertise, and the most important was attitude. We don't want to be left high and dry with the implementation partner who didn't have the right attitude that was not going to you know, be there with us every single step of the way. That's not going to provide us that guidance every step of the way. That's not going to give us honest feedback. I think it was pretty touch and go that near the end of last year with our team and your team, Mark, and trying to make sure that everything was up and running for their, their go-live date. Mm-hmm. And we accomplished that goal. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of where we want to go, where I'm sure Mark and Saligo wants to go is... Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just numbers. The automation, it's scripting, whatever. But who are you doing the work with? Who's going to be there to make sure that it's running smoothly? Who's going to be there to guide you in the next three to five years of your ability to scale through Soligo's automation and through NetSuite's ERP? It's the people that helped you in the first place that have the right attitude. Because unfortunately, you have some who are like, hey, you want NetSuite? Oh, man, here are all the modules you're going to need. Are you sure? You know, trust me, you're going to need all these modules. You sign it. They start paying. Okay, see you later. Oh, you're not going to implement it? Oh, no, I, I just sell license. Sorry, I don't do implementation. Okay, you should go to this guy. Then you talk to that guy or that lady. Hey, can you do the implementation for me? Yeah, sure. Should we use Soligo? Yeah, sure, if you want to. Are they certified? How many implementations have they done with the brands in your space that know how to actually map out the tiles and integrate IO for Soligo for you? Oh, you don't know. And then like, hey, you've paid for my implementation. Know what wrong? Try somebody else. Okay, well, you're not the same person who sold me the license. You didn't get me implemented. Now am I supposed to do? And unfortunately, we get brought in. It's business for us. I'm not going to say no to business. But that's why, to Mark's point, we want to be there earlier in the conversation because it doesn't have to be a nightmare. And Soligo doesn't actually have to be that expensive. It's really just on how you scope out the initial license, implementing it correctly, and then really having the right kind of team and support to make sure that the automations are functioning according to your milestones and the way that it's intended to. I'm sorry, that might've been super long winded, but I hope that. No, not at all. That's good. That's perfect. I think, I think that, that like the attitude aspect of it is incredibly important. I think just uh, from talking to you and from hearing Mark talk about you, it's really clear that both you and sellers, the universe has a really good attitude and 
seemed like a fantastic partner. And obviously that's why we wanted you um, as our first guest on the Technology Leaders podcast. So yeah, I mean, every, everything you says, excuse me, there's a fly on me, uh, is, <laughs> God, get away, Mr. Fly, uh, is lining up. God, having a rough, rough patch over here. But You're no, doing that's, great, that's, Jordan. You're doing great. You. That's fantastic to hear. Um, I know we're getting a little bit short on time, and I don't want to take up too much of everybody's day. Um, Mark, did you have anything that you wanted to ask or throw out there or lob up, uh, if you will? And if if so, or if not, I, I'll have some kind of closing um, statements, but uh, just wanted to leave the uh, alley open to you, or the yeah, I, you know, to you. yeah, Jordan. You know, the the only thing would be, you know, uh, a lot of this for a company embarking on an automation journey is is having, you know, is having the right attitude back to attitude, right? Having the right attitude themselves, um, you know, looking at what they want to be as an organization, go in with a good plan, hopefully adopt a automation first mindset, and then get. Pick a good, pick a good partner, somebody you trust, and and get started on the journey. That's a that's perfect. I think that's a very good way to round it out. And I think as more companies come to adopt this automation first mindset, it not only makes our job easier, it not only makes Martin's job easier, um, but I think it makes running a business just easier. Because like I mentioned earlier, you're addressing the cause of all of the challenges and problems that an automated business can have, rather than the symptoms. Um, and to Bring the metaphor full circle you can avoid those band-aids um we are getting towards the very end and so i just wanted to end on something a little bit light a little bit different um because i feel like uh these business podcasts can be uh very serious and not that that's necessarily a bad thing um, and i don't want to go goofy either so we'll kind of meet somewhere in the middle and uh, maybe for the guests out there who are listening who've made it this far one thank you um but two uh completely discounted outside from work um, in your own personal life, Martin. Uh, do you have any uh, maybe passions or interests or hobbies that you think people might uh, kind of connect with? And if so, we'd love to hear them. And Mark, maybe take some notes because I'm going to ask you the same question. And then nice. uh, we can get back to our normal lives. I'm curious. What do you have uh, for us, Martin? <laughs> I am a super, super huge Star Wars fan. And I know when people right. say, oh, I love Star Wars. I've watched all the movies. I'm talking about uh, there was a game that came out like 10 years ago called Star Wars The Old Republic. And it was like an oh, yeah. online, massive online game. Uh, me and my best friend from high school, who equally loves Star Wars, created an online guild and a website <laughs> and a forum. And we gave each other titles like you're the Grandmaster, I'm the Grandmaster. And we had, I think at the height, maybe like 300 people around the world as part of our guild getting ready to go into the game together as a as a clan or as a group of friends playing together and i probably ran that community and website for a good two and a half years so i'm i'm I, there's even a lightsaber behind me <laughs> i'm not even kidding you know what i'm saying oh. i built this at, at disney when i was there in florida a couple of months ago so yeah super huge star wars fan um am i ashamed of it no I am married, so I guess I can say it out publicly. It's no problem. <laughs> that's uh, that's good. You're deep in the game, as they say. And if oh, yeah. any listeners out there decide to piss off Mark just or Martin, excuse me, make sure he doesn't have his lightsaber, <laughs> otherwise you'll be missing limbs. Um, what about you, Mark? What do you got for the listeners? Any passions, hobbies, or interests outside of work? I know, I know, Martin kind of hinted at uh, snow sports earlier, but what else? Well, you yeah, you know, I I spent a lot of my life uh, focused, uh, kind of optimizing around skiing. 
uh, for for quite a long time. So that's probably my my biggest uh, passion. And you know, it's it's changed in recent years. I have a I have a, f- a five and and now eight year old. And so it's for the last few years, it's become uh, t- about teaching them how to less about my skiing and more about teaching them how to ski. But it's uh, it's still uh, it's a big part of my life uh, either way. That's awesome. You're you're automating automating their skiing lessons, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, anyways, I just wanted to thank Martin and Mark both for your time. Um, this has been a really fantastic conversation, diving into everything from passions and hobbies and interests all the way to automation first mindset, as well as what uh, both Saligo and Seller Universe does. Um, for all those listening out there, thank you so much for your time, uh, and we will see you soon with episode two of the Technology Leadership Podcast. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.